So if we haven't met yet, my name is Josh Hinkin, pastor of high school and young adults here at First Cove, and um, I'm excited to open up God's Word together uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to be in Acts 5, 17 through 42, if you have your Bibles or a Bible app. And uh, as you do so, I just want to let you know where we've been. The last five-ish weeks or so, we've been journeying through the book of Acts from the beginning, and hopefully we'll get to the end. Um, and last week, we talked about uh, Acts 4 with Peter and John, in which they were walking to the temple to pray, and they saw this lame man, and they healed this lame man. And all the people around saw and wondered what was going on. And Peter said, here, let me tell you about the good news and preach to them the good news. And 5,000 people came to them and followed the movement of Jesus that day. That happened, but at the same time, you saw opposition last week. Didn't you see that from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees? You saw these people opposing what was happening But the one thing that still remained the same, the one thing that we'll see this morning, is that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives us courage, giving us power, offering guidance for us, providing us words and changing us. And Acts 1.8 is probably the theme verse in all of Acts, which says this, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was not just something that happened to the apostles back then in the first century, in the beginning early church. This is something that is ongoing and happening with us today. So the main point this morning, the main point is that following and obeying Jesus through the leading of the Holy Spirit, may and probably will, you will, you will experience persecution or opposition. Following Jesus, obeying Jesus through the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will experience persecution or opposition following Jesus. And I just wonder, as we walk into this, what that looks like for us here in 1933, Tremont Boulevard, First Evangelical Covenant Church, At this very moment, 21st century, West Michigan, United States of America, where have you experienced persecution following Jesus? So before we go any further, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. You are so good to have the opportunity to open up your words, your very spirit-driven words. We thank you for your goodness and grace, and we are in awe of you of all that Jesus has done on the cross for us, his death and resurrection. And so this morning, I just pray that you'd speak, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill us, that you'd give me your words to say, you'd give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and know, and finally to leave this place and do something about what it looks like to follow Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come this morning, be present this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, quick question. It's not a hard question. The question is, what is your most favorite part of Thanksgiving? And so we can talk. It's okay. What's your most favorite part of Thanksgiving? Just loud as you can. Stuffing. Food. Ah, family's good. Yes. Sleep. Afternoon sleep, Lions game. You don't need to watch that. It's okay. They might lose anyways. Oh, they do. What else? Okay, seeing people you don't normally see, football. Anything else? 
I think we covered it, right? I think we covered it. So stay right there. Don't. Oh, what? Yes, yes. Okay, stay right there. Don't move. My favorite part of Thanksgiving right here. The turkey. Yes. You got to stay true to the turkey, you know? You do. You do. You have to eat the turkey. Unless you're a vegetarian, then you probably won't eat the turkey. And if you're fasting that day, which is weird, and I hope you didn't, you won't eat the turkey. Right? But for me, there is an obligation on Thanksgiving Day to eat turkey. And so I went over to my family's, uh, my wife's family's house, and, you know, everyone comes in, you've experienced this, you've got this big spread on the table of stuffing and food, and you look forward to that, right? And you know it's going to be a good day, because guess what? I had not one turkey, but we had two big turkeys that came into the house. Like, oh man, I ate and I ate, and I hope you all did too. But one thing that I had to do is I had to obey Thanksgiving, And to me, Thanksgiving says you have to eat from some of the turkey, right? But not just the turkey, you eat the rest of what's on the table. So you're all tracking with me because you all have experienced how fun Thanksgiving is. And family, family is important, that's good. Well said, well said. Um, And thanking God is very good too. Thanking God for the food, that's very good. But for me, I had to obey eating the turkey, so I ate. And you get to this point, and not kind of this opposition that you had to take take a break and be like, should I keep eating? Did you ever think that? You look at all that food on the table, should I keep eating? I've been told that your stomach is as big as your fist, and that's probably as much as you probably should eat within one setting. Who ate more than that? Anybody? Okay, thank you. I'm not alone. So to me, I had to obey and eat the food, right? Because that's part of Thanksgiving, and it's a beautiful part of it. You sit around and eat, and you talk, and you laugh. You see people that you don't normally see. But there's a moment I was like, okay, i got to stop. So my mind clicks in. There's an opposition that happens saying, Josh Hinkin, you should stop. But guess what? I didn't stop. I just kept going. And then another opposition came in. You're like, oh boy, can I even get out of this? And you had to roll out of the chair so that you could crawl to the couch. Are you with anybody? No? Uh, maybe just me. So you could go take a sleep, right? And watch the lions, but not really. That's my experience. And those were my two oppositions that showed up. First, should I eat more? And the answer is, of course, yes. And then B, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can get out of this chair. And then you go to sleep. Right? Those are two things that happen on Thanksgiving for me. And I hope that happened to you too, because food is good. Again, unless you're fasting, which is weird. I don't understand that part yet. Um, But I wanted to let you know that in average, American will put on six extra pounds from chowing down the holiday season. Six extra pounds. That the study found that 12% will get past the holiday avoiding weight loss. Only 12%. You know, you can be in that statistic if you want, but probably not. But here's the deal. I had to obey in my mind what Thanksgiving was all about. Family, being with family, but also eating a lot of food. At the same time, I had this opposition that's like, should I keep eating? And I said, yes. And then I'm just like, oh. You know, they say there's something in the turkey, but really all reality, you just ate way too many calories and you're just too stuffed, right? And so this morning, and I know it's not a great comparison, but this morning, we're going to see these apostles that are obeying what is before them. The mission they had, the mission was the turkey, the mission for them is something different, They obeyed it, but at the same token, not comparing exactly the opposition that I faced on Thanksgiving Day, but the persecution that they faced in the first century from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious rulers. So that life for the first Christian, the first Jesus follower, 
wasn't easy. It was often complicated, and there involved death and abuse and jailings. And because in all one thing, they proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. And that's a powerful name. And some of us don't realize how powerful the name of Jesus Christ is, but it is a powerful name. So I'm going to remind you this morning that following and obeying Jesus through the help and the work of the Holy Spirit will often cause opposition or persecution. And so I wonder what that looks like today for you and for me. So in Acts 5, in verses 12 through 16, we're not going to read it together, but I just want to set the stage. Right now, the apostles, as we heard in Acts 4, performed many signs and wonders. And people are like, what? Some lame man just got healed? And what? And now all of a sudden, there's a crowd coming. And they're getting what you might call popular in this experience. And people started believing in the name of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ came here as a mission to do on this earth. Sick were healed and crowds gathered. And so what we have now in Acts 5.17 is something of opposition and persecution. So we're going to read a little bit, unpack a little bit, read a little bit, unpack a little bit. Is that cool? So here we are, Acts 5.17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Okay, that's a little bit. So then we'll pause. Don't worry. We'll get through it. Don't worry. Don't worry. So here we go. So we see the high priest and the religious elite. I have to just unpack that a little bit and then unpack why they in this place of jealousy. And the religious elite, they were the highest educated. They were the garters of the religion. Like, you can't get through us because we are the ones to guard all that it is. And so what they see are these apostles who are uneducated, Jesus-loving, obedient followers through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit healing these people, and they became what? They became jealous. Because guess what? It's not about these high priests anymore. Now it's looking at these apostles. What's happening through the work of the Holy Spirit? And so why were they jealous? Were they jealous of Jesus, who was already dead in their mind? Were they jealous of his name? Were they jealous of the apostles who have this crowd coming their way? And I think the answer to that is both. Yes, they were jealous of all of the above. And namely, this is the part that really got them. The Sadducees that you see here, the high priests, is this false teaching. The apostles are standing before them teaching about Jesus Christ. But at the same time, they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They were also the ones who were persecuting Jesus Christ and wanting Jesus Christ executed. So what you see here is the Sadducees, just so you know, in the high priest world, there's the Pharisees over here, there's Sadducees and some other people I can't remember. But I know for sure the Sadducees are the ones that did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And these apostles are preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. You only know what that would make them feel. And so because they didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, they were sad, you see. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is why they don't let me preach like six times a year. I'm just the youth pastor. So anyways, let's keep going. I worked that one real good. Okay. So what's happening here is remember in Palm Sunday, remember of the palm branches, Jesus riding on the donkey, and they say, Hosanna, here's the king. And they're saying, save us from Rome. Save us and build your kingdom here. You are the king. 
This is Palm Sunday, remember this? And then you give a couple, not even a week, right? And all of a sudden, the same people that said Hosanna are over here saying what? Crucify him, kill him, right? So you have this right here, well, he's not the king, so crucify him, kill him. The Pharisees, the Sadducees were in the crucify him, kill him camp. And so now you know why they got jealous, they got angry, they got to a point where they wanted to persecute these apostles. Because guess what? They were a part of the execute them, execute Jesus, persecute Jesus, kill Jesus camp. And so now we have this guilt that's holding up on of the Sadducees and Pharisees. And so if you look at verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Which is, which is what happens, right? Jealousy shows up and you arrest someone. Maybe not fully, but you know that experience. And so I just wonder what jealousy is. Uh, jealousy is an anger and resentment that they have it and you don't. An anger and resentment that someone else has something else and that you don't. And jealousy goes a little further than just they have it, you don't. But it's like they have it and you want to take it away from them. They shouldn't have it. And so you work real hard to take whatever you don't have and take it away. And so here are these Sadducees, the high priests that are jealous. And so what do they do? They take them to jail. And so jealousy and persecution is a real thing in the first century. And it's a real thing today. But I think for many of us, we don't really experience that fully um, for proclaiming the name of Jesus. Have you been in jail for proclaiming the name of Jesus? Okay, I don't see any hands yet. That's cool. I'll wait. Just kidding. If you're like me, this is something that's a little bit, you wonder about what this is like for today. You wonder. There's a, a website out there called Open Doors USA. And really the process of Open Doors USA is to go out and survey all of the world of who have been persecuted because of the name of Jesus Christ. And persecution at a glance, they say, Christians remain one of the most persecuted religious groups in the world. While Christian persecution takes many forms, it is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Christ. Christians throughout the world continue to risk imprisonment, loss of home, assessments, torture, beheadings, rape, and even death as a result of their faith. Can you imagine that? As a result of their faith, they experienced this persecution. Sometimes it's hard to imagine for us here, isn't it? So let's keep going. Let's keep going. What you're going to see coming out of here, we'll read a lot more, don't worry, um, is you're going to see them, the apostles, obeying this call from the Holy Spirit. They're going to obey. They're going to be told to do something, and they're going to go and actually do it. How many times of us were told to do something, and you don't actually go and do it, right? What is cool is you see the obedience of the apostles. And so here we go. Uh, We're in verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. This new life with Jesus. 
Verse 21, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts and they had been, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving in jail, check this out, the officials did not find them there. They vanished. They're gone. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked and the guards standing at the door. But when they opened them, we found no one inside. Oh, I can't imagine being a guard that day. On hearing, like, we lost them. How does that work? On hearing this report, the captain, the temple guard, and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put into jail are standing at the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officials and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. You see this? There's so much jealousy and fear going on from the Sadducees and the high priests that they don't even know what to do. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. You are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. So I want you to come again with me to the trial of Jesus with Pilate. And here are some words that happened during that time. Remember, Pilate had said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility, Pilate saying to these um, religious rulers. And guess how they responded back during the trial of Jesus. They replied, let his blood be on us and on our children. Now they were appalled by the consequences. They didn't want the blood of Jesus to be on their conscience. And you can see why they're pushing back so much. Just by the very name of Jesus, the very name of Jesus, they experience rage, they experience hate, and they experience evil. And that experience is something that's still ongoing today by the very name of Jesus. So verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. See the obey idea again. Rather than human blessings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. Ooh, don't say that in front of these guys. Woo! Raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. The God exalted him to his right hand as prince and savior. And that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Did you hear obey again? So here's Peter. He's just preaching it out, right? To the people who want to persecute him, saying that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is raised in the right hand of God the Father Almighty right now. So like it or not, this is true. And they did it out of this obedience of the Holy Spirit. And so I asked this question, but where does that kind of freedom, that obedience come from? Where does that kind of obedience come from where they can risk everything that they have to follow this Jesus, the name of Jesus, the acts of Jesus, the being of Jesus? 
How did they get to this radical freedom and obedience to do it? And we see that in verse 32. We are the witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to us to obey. They have witnessed, and they have received the Holy Spirit. They have been given it to them because they obey. The power to obey comes from the Holy Spirit in which we are called to obey, you will receive. But it's so difficult to find ourselves obeying, right? Sometimes it's hard to find ourselves obeying because we don't want to obey because guess what? Maybe we have to give up something. Something of comfort, maybe some money, maybe something. You don't know what you might have to, but obedience says you step out somewhere that you haven't been before and when you step out there, your comfort's back here, You're not as comfortable when you step out over here. The comforts over here, you still have them. Are you obedient to the Holy Spirit? Let's keep going. Uh, Verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Well, obviously, you are the wrong. Everything about your teaching is false. That's what the Sanhedrin are thinking. And so here we go on a story of uh, Gamaliel, uh, a teacher of the law, where he sits out and says, well, guess what? You don't have to get too angry at them because this might just fail anyways. And this is what he says. But they heard this and they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a while. And then he addressed the group. He says this, Men of Israel, consider fully what you intend to do these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied around him, and he was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. But after that, Judas the Galilean appeared at the days of the census and led a band of people in a revolt, and he too was killed. And all the followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And guess what? His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They still got beaten, They still got beaten. They were flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Man. Order them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Persecution is alive and well in this world. There are many people that hate the name of Jesus and persecution comes. And so, from the Open Doors USA, here are some um, heavy statistics about persecution that you and I may not or have ever experienced in our own life here. Every month, 255 Christians are killed. 104 are abducted. 180 Christian women are raped, sexually harassed, and forced into marriage. 66 churches are attacked. 160 Christians are detained without trial and imprisoned. Every day we receive new reports of Christians who face threats, unjust imprisonment, harassment, beatings, and even loss of family because of their faith in Jesus. 
And this is the point where you say, wow, and also, man, you all are blessed in this place. But I think our comfort is getting the best of us. There are people out there that are following this way of Jesus. And I wonder if we are following the way of Jesus here. And so Matthew 5, 10 through 12, this is again from Open Doors, they, they claim this verse is their verse. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham is the president of the CEO of the Billy Graham Institute. And this is something he said in an article. I just want to read. Again, it's heavy. Just so you know, there's persecution that's happening. It's shocking to our Western eyes. As I walk through the burned-out shell of a church near Iraq, just a few weeks ago, our translator told me that the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria graffitied, scrawled all around the walls and read, You love life. We love death. Members of ISIS had painted their flag and written, We have come to drink your blood. It's one thing to destroy a building, but Christians are dying because of their faith, and it's not in Iraq, not just in Iraq. It is everywhere else. The acts of ISIS captured headlines around the world, but you think this kind of persecution is rare, perpetrated almost exclusively by extremists and terrorists, and in a few areas in the world, 215 million Christian victims will tell you nothing could be further from the truth. And this past week, uh, you might have heard in the news about a man who went to this remote island. His name is John Allen Chau, a young American, 26, and all he wanted to do, and he says, you guys might think I'm crazy, but I think it's worth to declare Jesus to these people. And he goes to this North Central Island in India, basically a forbidden island that if you show up, you might get killed. You probably will get killed. The history says that you're, you're going to die. And he goes through this process of going back and forth, trying to figure out how to reach these people and saying, hey, my name is, and I love you. Jesus loves you. And what he says in one passage, he asked God if North Senegal was Satan's last stronghold. And if another, what makes them become this divisive, hostile people? He says, please don't be angry at them or, if, or at God if I get killed. I love you all. He steps, on this obe- steps out onto this obedience of following the Holy Spirit for the name of Jesus. I'll let you check out that if you want to read more about it. It's a very interesting read. But the persecution's happening all over the world. So I just want to finish up this in Acts 5, verses 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace, of the name. Day and day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. They never stopped proclaiming. They continued to proclaim the good news. They counted it worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. 
And so I wonder about us this morning. Do you count it worthy? Do you rejoice in the suffering that you might have in the name of Jesus? Have you experienced suffering? Have you experienced opposition? Have you experienced persecution because of the name of Jesus? Because this morning, I know we're not the only ones. There's a whole vast of other people in this world. We're part of this missionary movement of Jesus. And we are called to do what? We're called to go love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And the second is what? To love others as ourselves. And do you ever wonder why this name of Jesus is so appalling and so um, a pushback for other people when our call as people who follow Jesus is to do what? To love others. So everyone needs love in this world, Right? Everybody wants to be loved and accepted in this world. Why are so many people are pushing back to this love and acceptance? Because of the very name of Jesus. There is something going on in this world of hatred, of disdain, of evil against the name of Jesus. And so this morning, we've all been called by Matthew 28 to go baptizing people in the name of the of the name of Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations and teaching people to obey everything that he has commanded to us and it says this that no matter in persecution it doesn't say that but listen that no matter in persecution opposition it says this and i surely will be with you always to the very end of the age so why do people walk into the place of persecution, opposition? Why do people, if anything, follow Jesus? It's because of the power and the work of the Holy Spirit's work in their life. And I just wonder for us, if that you can understand and grasp this idea of persecution— Maybe you don't know it within yourself, but maybe it's just a place of empathy for other people who follow Jesus. Maybe it's just a raise awareness this morning about the persecution people are receiving in the name of Jesus. And then maybe this morning it's a place for us to think, do I follow Jesus? Do I obey everything that he has commanded to us, even when I don't experience persecution? So how will you spread the truth? How will you and I teach the good news of Jesus? How will you and I go and love other people this week, even if we know opposition or persecution will come? Because this is the truth, that in Matthew or in Acts 5 says this. We just read this. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and the forgiveness of their sins. Praise Jesus for all that he's done, coming here on this earth for us, who we are sinners, learning how to follow and obey Jesus. We know we don't have it perfectly, but we're learning. But he loved us so much that he died for us, perfect in nature, never sinning, died for you and for me. 
so that we can live with him forever, so that we can experience this joy and the excitement and the hope and the peace of following and obeying the Spirit no matter where it leads us. May this be true for you and may it be true for me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. And we see persecution is real. Persecution is happening. God, and maybe we don't experience it here, but we can have empathy for all, all those around us that do. But Lord, maybe I'm wondering about this moment in which you're working in our hearts and, and calling us to an obedience to something. Obedience not just to come to church and experience what we do here, but an obedience that goes beyond the walls here of us coming and following Jesus and loving other people that may remove us from our comfort, remove us from our ideology and our thinking, remove us from everything that we have said in habits already so that we can be faithful to your call. So God, I just pray for these people in this room. I pray for myself that we may walk humbly before you and praise you, Jesus, because of your name, but to know that you are king and you are Lord in our life and calling us to obey. God, thank you so much for your love. In your name we pray, amen.